Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening, everybody. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm not feeling so well this this evening and haven't been feeling very well for the past couple of days. Um, but it is time for Common Law Wise Words. Uh, just to let everybody know, we will not be doing a show next Wednesday because it'll be the night before Thanksgiving. So if you're looking for a show next Wednesday, I'm sorry to disappoint. Anyways, um, I guess just getting right into it, I, I actually was looking up on YouTube for James Rickards. I, I saw a video of, of him, and I was going to talk about it with everything going on with Trump. But when I got onto YouTube, I saw Kirk. Pendergrass from Kirk's Law Corner, and he's got a show going on live on YouTube right now, and um, I uh, I ran across this YouTube video that at the end of it, it's going through a couple of sheets on the internet about all of the times he's been arrested in his court record, <laughs> so I thought that was funny, but um the video I was actually looking for is a video from the London Reel, and it is done with an ex-CIA analyst named James Rickards. And he, uh, he uh, is talking about and how the whole impeachment process is really helping Trump. Wait just a second. Sorry, I'm just typing in what the video I posted up was or was about. Anyways, um, but he's talking about how the impeachment process is actually helping Trump because after you had the whole Mueller investigation and the Russian thing, and then uh, we come out of that and the people who support Trump who might have stayed at home and said they had something better to do they come November 5th of next year are probably going to get out and, and vote because they feel like their president's getting attacked. You know, their, their man in office is getting attacked. They feel like they're getting attacked. And 
if these things weren't going on, then they might not feel that way. They might not go out and vote. And I think he made a really, really good point. And I agree with them. And I haven't been watching the impeachment hearings too closely, but I have kind of heard them off and on. And it seems to me like there's a whole lot of back and forth. The guy who showed up today was talking about there was a quid pro quo, but then when he's getting cross-examined by the Republicans, he's saying, well, there wasn't a definite quid pro quo. And the only quid pro quo there really was, was his own presumption. He only presumed that there was a quid pro quo. And it was really funny because the Republican who was questioning him, and I don't, I don't remember who it was because I was just listening to it on the radio, was like, no, you assume, <laughs> you know, basically saying like, it's going beyond a presumption at the point because now you're bearing liability for what's going on because you're the Democrats' star witness, whatever. And, and in my mind, it, it should just show the the American public, what kind of circus and beers is really going on, you know? Because if you look at it from the Democrats' side, they're pushing their narrative, they're leading the witnesses, they're getting them to say, aha, they said it was quid pro quo. <laughs> and then you look at, at the Republican side and they're asking questions that you would ask in a, you know, in a, um, adversarial hearing and uh you know they're, they're trying to get to the truth of things and when they get their answers the republicans can go aha you see and, and the answers are are very very contrast to each other it's like how do you say yes there's definitely a quid pro quo and then well i only presume <laughs> the, the quid pro quo that there definitely is is only a presumption <laughs> And to me, it's just hilarious. But both sides get to run around and go, aha, you see, you see what happened in this little audio clip? You you see the question they asked and how they answered. <laughs> and I just think it's funny because all of these people seem nervous. <laughs> you know? Like if you're not doing anything wrong, what do you have to be nervous about? <laughs> And they all seem nervous. They all seem like they don't want to be there. I think even one of the people testifying today, I just saw a clip of it before getting onto the show. But they were like, uh, I don't know who it was, but I, I got to leave on a plane to go to another country to resume my duties. <laughs> can we can we go ahead and hurry this up? So they want to get out of there. And of course, who wouldn't? <laughs> Who likes being scrutinized at court? But see, even when you go and you take those people and you put them into their own game, nobody likes it. <laughs> but it's fun watching them all squirm. <laughs> Anyways, if somebody has something that they wish to chat about, you can raise your hand with star two, or if you're on the computer, I think there's a hand symbol. Or um, if you don't want to do that, you can, hey, look, we got a hand raised already. What's up? What up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? Pretty, pretty good. Uh, good news in a uh, in a way. Oh yeah, did you get everything dropped last week? Well, no, nah, well, not not exactly. But um, <clears throat> the prosecutor hit me up today, and uh, and 
you know, I put in that that bill, the that that notice of the I needed to see the bill. Yeah. And then and then she's like, uh, she's like, yeah, you know, um, you know, that's a good start what you're doing. And you know, and she's like, I got your letter, and um, maybe you know, maybe she's like, maybe we could work something out, you know. But yeah, I mean, that's typically a go-to for them if, you know, you don't look crazy as they want to work yeah. out some sort of deal. Yeah, and uh, she she was kind of like, um, yeah, she told me, you know, like, yeah, you're, you're, you're on a good track or something like that or something like that, yeah. And, um, you know, this is the first time, you know, doing, uh, you know, st- uh, you know, sticking to the common law side and, um, uh, so far, so good, man. Cause fuck, the other stuff was fucking crazy, man. Yeah, did you go ahead and you said it's a woman prosecutor? Uh, they switched it up now, so like, yeah, so, so I guess it's a it's a woman now. Uh, yeah, they'll they'll probably change it up, but like if you're if you're on point and you really stay on point, typically they'll give you somebody like just to deal with your case. Um, I know I was working with a gentleman around here and they gave him a, an assistant solicitor. So somebody with some real authority uh, that he mm-hmm. could negotiate with. And right. um, they actually came up with a really, really good deal. And they tried switching it up on him last minute. And I told him before he went in, I was like, they're probably going to do this. And when they do yeah. this, you got to be like, nah, that's not what we talked about. You know, I'm keeping my word. Are you going to keep your word? Right, um, but right. did you go ahead and ask them for disclosure? Yeah, she she said um basically she has a discovery and the uh, the videotapes and all that stuff and um yeah and then she's like um the next hearing uh uh why should I go pick that stuff up? But it doesn't really matter because I mean you know uh you know I'm is there a verified claim? Yeah, I still haven't seen a verified claim, you know. Yeah, but they're they're gonna keep kind of dragging the process on, and like you said, she's already yeah. trying to negotiate, right? Right, right. Well, well, how are you gonna negotiate if you don't know what case they got? Yeah, that's why I'm gonna go pick up the discovery and uh, go look at the video. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what kind of case they got. Because I mean, yeah. you know, like you got one of two things going on but you know if they just stopped you which which my guess is is that they just stopped you and harassed you but if they just did that and they don't have anybody who's going to come into court i don't think they do because if they did they'd probably be acting different you know what i mean yeah that's that's strange man you know because i i put in that letter just just that letter man i'm like you please respond with the 72 hours and um yeah, she hit me up today, a couple hours ago. And uh, yeah, she I'll seemed real you. nice, you know? She, she, she oh, was cool. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah. I, they're, I never they're, had they're all courteous. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's just business yeah. to them. It's not personal. Yeah. And, um, you know, that kind of shocked me. I was like, what the hell's going on? But, you know, if, if you're, you know, if, if you're doing things like man to man, you know what I mean? It's, it's a different trip. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, and it's it's nice when they when they want to work with you. Um, yeah. Again, I I think that they kind of understand what's going on, and and you're doing a couple of the right things right from the get go. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, they they don't want to 
test it too much because like uh one of the last times the only time i've ever gone before a jury actually but uh when i was in my old life this cop stopped me i was actually just asking him for directions so i actually stopped the cop and i was asking him for directions on how to get to a hotel which was literally across the street behind the hotel in front of me and when i asked him for directions he asked to see my driver's license and i knew that i was going to go to jail you know because he was going to run my name and a bunch of stuff was going to come up and he was just going to find a reason to arrest me and so he ended up doing that and giving me a bad night and found like a gram of pot in my car or something and charged me with it and uh by the time it went to court he said that he was over at the waffle house and some woman came in hysterical talking about you know how absurd i was being and how much of a scene i was causing and how intoxicated i was and um yeah. you know my attorney was just like objection hearsay you know we don't have that person here to question them and ask them what he's describing they're telling him to you know about my client and uh -huh. after three times he dismissed the jury and was just like i moved the court to dismiss because everything like his whole probable cause his whole foundation was based on hearsay you know, it's it's a lot like what's going on with Trump right now. Everything that they have right now is all hearsay. Well, I heard that they said it. Well, I heard that they said it. Well, in a conversation that I overheard at this dinner place one time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, and from from what you have going on, that that would be the exact same thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm starting to see the. You know the you know basically the magician you know i can see his trick now oh yeah yeah that's fun huh yeah it's just um i mean yeah it's just it's crazy man a lot of people in there you know i was in the i was in the court and then everybody was all like guilty guilty my like, damn and I, I got surrounded by uh like eight cops sheriffs yeah, they they always do that. He's like, but, you know, he threatened me, man. He threatened me. He's like, you gonna, you gonna. I, he didn't. He didn't want to accept my notice. I put it on paper. You know, I was like, they're verified criminal complaint. Like, I don't, don't want to see. I don't want to see your paperwork. He's like, I want you to say guilty or not guilty, or you go to jail. Well, I, I take it that you ended up walking out of there. Well, yeah, I, I had to say, you basically, I had no other option, go to jail and or or say not guilty, you know? Oh, so you said yeah, not said, guilty? Well, I mean, eight cops surrounding you with their hands on the gun. And, what do you think? Yeah, did you get a recording of it? Um, I probably did. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying that what you did was bad at all. Cause I completely understand. Um, I mean, you're obviously under threat. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I think he went, he's like, we're on the record now. So I think he even on, you know, on the record, I think. So, yeah. Well, and one thing that I would probably do is go ahead 
and order the transcripts and don't get them expedited or anything because that typically costs a lot of money but just mm -hmm. go ahead and tell them that at some point in time whenever they get around to it and it's fairly cheap you wish for a copy of the transcripts right you know um and, so and that, do what that way and, and typically like a lot of places different places have different ways of doing it um some places will actually just have a recording like an audio recording of the proceedings and you can go yeah. by and pick mm -hmm. up yeah you can go by and pay like a dollar or a couple dollars maybe five dollars and pick up a cd and then other places uh -huh. make you purchase the transcript mm. and then um, what would what would that do i mean what... well it just uh you know okay so it does a couple of things one you know you were talking about how the officer was coming up and threatening you you can actually see if that's in the transcript or on the record mm -hmm. or if there's an audio you can actually see if it's recorded on audio the second the thing judge, that it does actually. huh it was the judge that threatened yeah okay yeah that's even better because that that's almost most definitely going to be on there or in the transcript mm -hmm. um yeah the second the second thing it does is it goes ahead and it shows the other side that you're serious okay so you know, if you know how to go the whole way through, if they pull the circus and charade on you, you're going to take it to the appellate court and the appellate court's, court's going to throw it out really quickly, especially if the judge is making threats saying that he's going to throw you in jail if he doesn't hear guilty or not guilty out of your mouth when you're just trying to communicate like, hey, what did I do wrong? Like, I don't mind pleading as long as I know what I'm pleading to or who I'm pleading to. You know, like, mm -hmm. who did I do wrong that I have to offer them a plea or a please or an apology? You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I can do that. I'll, I'll check it out on um, maybe next week because the holidays are coming up. Yeah 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 and as long as um most places it's like as long as you have it within 30 days um and what i was about to talk about was that if they do have transcripts like if they force you to get a transcript instead of having a nice and easy convenient audio cd um uh -huh. typically they have two different ways of doing it and they'll either have people like clerks who who work in the courthouse who do it or they'll have private contractors like people who subcontract and they come in and they don't actually work under the court structure they don't work for the state they work for themselves and they just do this for extra cash on the side i guess um but depending on how that goes you might have to get in touch with the individual who was at court but the court will have like the clerk's office will have all that information for sure okay yeah so but yeah ju just going ahead and you know after more or less every court hearing getting the transcript or at least saying that you're you wish to pick that up at some point in the future 
you know, so because uh, a lot of places, it's like if you don't at least give them notice that you wish to pick that up at some point in the future, of course, they have the court transcript, but typically they have like a, if you don't ask for it within 60 or 90 days, you, you know, or ask them to hold it, then they can go ahead and, and get rid of it. And uh, even the places where they record it, um, typically they'll have like they they say that they destroy all the recordings or whatever after a year or after two years. Mm, okay. You know, and basically why they do that is so that you can't go back and investigate. Because I guarantee yeah. you that if the prosecutor were going to appeal the decision, you know, they, they would have a record of the whole transcript, even if it was two years from now. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. For sure. Right on. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, want to take you guys' time, but um, sounds good, man. Sounds good. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad that things are going well for you, and hopefully, you'll come back and update at some point in time. But you know, I can almost guarantee you that they'll make you a pretty good deal. Um, but depending on what you got um after you pick up the disclosure of the discovery they might drop everything yeah well that's the goal man you know and just continue yeah on. yeah you you just have to show them the side of the case where it's like these people just came and they started picking on you and you didn't do anything wrong you know what i mean Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, but I, I want to reimburse, you know, the window that I broke and, um, you know, uh, you know, whoever, you know, the man I, you know, I, I that, that I did wrong to, that I hurt him, you know, but I don't think I hurt anybody. I don't think so. So, I mean, I could just pay for the window. That's, I'm going to tell her I'll just pay for the window and uh, I don't think there's a man or woman that I hurt other than that. So, I don't know what the heck is going on. Well, okay, so here's probably a good thing to bring up, and I'm I'm going to kind of talk around this without specifically going into what's going on with you, but in law, there's a difference between force and violence, okay? And um, mm -hmm. what they did was violent, right? Yeah. Like if they just kind of came up and picked you out of the crowd and just decided to mess with you, what they did was violent. And so any force that you had to exert to resist that violence is force force is lawful violence is not violence is when you actually aggress on somebody else force is uh, when you push okay. back from that aggression gotcha so and this is why like statutes and and things if you go and look up like a statute is only given the force of law a statute's not actually law itself and that force is only to be applied against violence like that force is not the violence of law it's the force only mm -hmm. you know because all, all of their statutes are supposed to be there to protect the public health to be the public uh, good like if if we let people run around and do all these drugs you know we'd have a loony society and and nobody would get anything accomplished and it would go downhill quick 
Yeah. Um, I found, I put it right here in Google. It says, in-law force means unlawful violence or unlawful compulsion. Yeah. So is that what that means? Well, the force means unlawful compulsion. Violence. Yeah. Unlawful or, violence. Uh, well, if you're saying like you force yourself upon somebody, you know what I mean? Uh, but if you really dig into it, force, uh, you know, for instance, if like you go and look up um, where it says, and I actually have, if you give me a minute, I'll pull up and actually read it. It's going to take a minute because it's on my other drive. Um, da, da, da. So, and this comes out of Corpus Juris Secundum, and it's under statutes. So it's, it's basically like uh, a very generalized um, and it cites all of the case law. So, okay. Um, let me see here. Okay, the term statute is used broadly to designate the written law in contradiction to the unwritten law, which would be the common law or usages and customs. The meaning of the term statute varies according to the connection in which it is used and an enactment to which it, a state gives the fruits of law is a statute. And so that's that's what it's saying right there, that a state gives the force of law to a statute. Okay. You see? So, and, and in that sense, they're not using force as as a violent, unlawful thing. So, so they're using violence. They're using violence. Well, I mean, you know, my brother and I were actually talking about what goes on with the state and the government, and he's he's real pro gun control and this and that. And I was like, well, you know, look at Nazi Germany, look at numerous other countries around the world where they took away the guns, and not long after, you know, they imposed some type of. Um, you know, some type of tyrannical government. And uh, he's brought up something I thought was really interesting. And he said, well, the government has a monopoly on violence. Mm. You know, and I, I would say that that's fairly true. Like every government everywhere has a monopoly on violence. I mean, you, you look yeah. at the United States. I was watching a YouTube video just the other day, and it was talking about this black man he was um he went on break from work he went uh to go get some tea he was walking back to work and a cop almost hit him and so he spilled some of his tea on the police cruiser and so the guy gets out points a gun at him you know yells at him freaking ends up kicking his head into the ground uh and then realizes what he's doing was bad because somebody's you know taking video and another person's calling the cops and um he drives off and you know he ends up getting convicted of a felony like uh, use of a firearm 
you know, use of a firearm and the commission of a violent crime or a felonious act or whatever. And uh, the mandatory minimum for what he did was five years, but because he was a police officer and, you know, the prosecutor was begging for leniency and, and this and that, they ended up giving him five years on house arrest where he could uh-huh. go to work and back. Although he wasn't a cop anymore, but still, it's like nobody else would have gotten away with that. But just because he was violent for the government, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, okay, yeah. I guess we can let you slide. <laughs> wow. Right on. Yeah, that's basically it, man. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Well, I hope um, whenever you get a chance, you kind of check back in and and keep us updated, but yeah, I would uh, definitely see what they got so you can go in there and negotiate with them. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Or, yep. So, because I'll go ahead and tell you, they're gonna test you all the way to the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, that... and they're gonna try and get what they can. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm gonna stick firm, and I got I got my plan A, uh, my plan A. You know. Oh yeah, no, I mean I'm I'm glad to hear from you because I was kind of worried about you yesterday. I was thinking about getting in touch with uh, JDX and seeing if he had heard from you because I saw that you didn't post anything up in the group. <laughs> Yeah, I got I got slammed up with a lot of work, and you know, um, but worst case, worst case, worst case, I'm gonna file a claim this time for real, man. I'm not I'm not playing around. Like you I know. said, man, I I would not do that if I were you. Well, I mean, if they're filing the false claim, man, I'm I'm, I'm gonna do it, bro. That's the only way to win. You go to court to win. Or lose. You're you're not gonna win with a. You're not gonna win filing a claim against them. You're you're only gonna piss them off. Yeah. No. Well, that's that's like you know what I mean. Like if they're threatening me with the uh, prison or whatever, I'm you know. Like one one of the first gentlemen that I ever really kind of gotten involved in in his case was this gentleman named Paul Gratton, and um, you can hear him on on some of Carl's later calls. And uh, the the ATF came into his home. He flew over to England, bought some air rifle moderators, and broke them apart as if they were firearm silencers and smuggled them back into the United States. I mean, it really looked that way. And, um, you know, the ATF came in and, and they found them. There were six of them. And of course, there was a confidential informant working in a shop who kind of enticed him to go over to England and, and buy them. And it was a complete BS case because anything that you can buy for a firearm in England over the counter um, is going to be legal in the United States. Okay. Right. You could buy it over the counter in the United States. Anyways, they they retrieved these firearms these silencers air rifle moderators whatever you want to call them 
and they basically left him alone okay and he mm -hmm. he got so upset he went and filed a claim against the atf agent and um the atf like special agent that worked in the police department and somebody else and after he did that i think it was within one week they ended up getting an indictment and arresting him uh before he was going to fly out of town on business and going through and, and looking at that case and looking at everything that went on i don't think that they would have arrested him at all if he had not filed a claim if he would have just right. gone about his life and let bygones yeah. be bygones you know but because he filed a claim against those people he's now sitting in federal prison for four years and you know he's not sitting in federal prison because of the claim it's not that they brought an action against him for filing the claim but whenever people file claims they tend to push those people as hard as they possibly can mm. so yeah. and so you know like so I'm, I'm guessing that you got that idea from carl lentz's like carl lentz's talk shoe and stuff i'm listening to carl lentz talk yeah um yeah but um yeah yep so and if you go and and look up on all of the people that carl lentz had on for the last six months of the show or whatever they all wound wound up in prison every single one of them for some period yeah. of time yeah hmm so if you think that's the only way to win, best of luck to you, brother. But I'm telling you that other people have tried it before and they didn't win. And I'm telling you from personal experience, when people start filing claims, they, they go pretty hard on them. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. They must, they must know something that, you know what I mean? Well, you know, I mean, I th I think that they all kind of get together and strategize. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure that there's some type of email or alert or or something that goes out. But uh, it, I mean, even when you take everything away, like if you just have an action against another man that has nothing to do with the legal society, has no status in the government and you're trying to move it at common law rather than within their statutory court system, I can tell you from personal experience, they make it incredibly difficult. And you have to have the right case and you have to present it the right way or else they're gonna look for any reason. They're very, very tricky. Most of the time, they'll get you to throw out your own case without you knowing it. Mm. That's how good they are, you know? right oh so weird. but yeah i mean when you start doing stuff like that they're going to come at you as hard as they can and, and they know law they they know law pretty well and they're they're pretty good at using it and being tricky yeah damn uh, yeah uh, like, i mean my my yeah, whole kind of opinion on on Carl Lentz and what happened was he went over to England um 
and of course kind of tripped up the courts with the whole claim thing you know reversing the claim like they have a claim and then he has more or less a counterclaim um and also the jesse and jonathan thing but i think for the most part what happened was that it looked recognizable to the courts and they were like what do i do and when in doubt they're like okay well let's just toss the whole thing and then we don't have to deal with it um a lot of people like i've studied the whole history of kind of the common law movement and it's like a lot of people throughout the common law movement have come up with something that's kind of stumped the other side stumped the legal society um you know for instance bill thornton started doing the counterclaims and just putting in motions to drive their costs up and that stumped them several times um you know uh i forget Richard Cornsworth, um, he actually did a pretty decent coming at it from a legalistic as an attorney supposed to going and getting points and authorities, this and that, but eventually they just started running over it. For the most part, attorneys don't even do points and authorities anymore because none of it actually matters. What really matters is who knows the judge, what type of relationship they have, and what kind of bonuses and kickbacks they're all getting. And, mm -hmm. and who are the clients that are paying? Yeah. So, but, you know, everybody who had a great name in the counterculture, they came up with a trick or some type of uh, stump or something to get the other side to kind of take a step back and be like, whoa, how are we going to deal with this? And I think that Carl Lentz's claim was basically the same thing. It was the same idea. You know, they, they just took a step back and they were like, whoa, what are we going to do? And then they just decided, well, people don't know how to actually move claims, you know, so let's just start running over it. And if people do a claim when they're when they have something criminal going on, like, let's go ahead and go at them hard right did you wish into the sh did you listen to the show last week uh no i was busy it, yeah because there was this gentleman who was on like you can go and download it it actually had over 180 downloads when i got on um the call this week which i was really proud about but uh there was a gentleman on who had just gotten out of court and uh i've been working with him he got pulled over and arrested for uh, driving under revoked license. And, um, you know, they drug him through the whole circus and charade. They brought him back to court, I think like four times and ended up having a jury trial. The jury found him guilty, but they're not, they're not gonna put in a judgment order. I, I can guarantee it. Just like I heard the recording of the judge talking and and when he said at the end he was telling him to come back of his own free will and this is a traffic infraction he tells him he's not gonna have a sentencing hearing for another month and a half and tells him to come back of his own free will and that he's not going to get any type of notice except for this verbal you know notice right now in the courtroom it's like he's uh -huh. not going to do anything it, you know and my whole presumption is that he was just pushing it back for a month and a half so that the cop would forget about it and not check up mm -hmm. on the case. But yeah, you should go uh -huh. back and listen to last week's because um, it was pretty good. And, and there are a fair amount of things that are kind of similar. 
to what's going yeah. on, you know, but of course it's it's very different. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I can tell you one thing, um, Carl Lenz doesn't use any, any, uh, codes or statues, you know, motions that, you know, he just stick. he makes it, he basically makes it plain and simple, man. Like for even a, a fifth grader to understand, you know what I mean? Oh, and I agree with him on that part. 100%. Like anytime he's, he's you're writing paperwork, dead on, you should write something a five-year-old can read. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, everything, he, he, you know, for the most part, everything he says, it's, it, it's like, um, it, it kind of like, it's like God's law too. You know what I mean? It, it, they, they go side to side. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I completely get it. I mean, God's law, natural law, the law of nature, um, ecclesiastical law, common law, uh, rights of yeah. man. I mean, um, I actually used to have like a list and I was reading uh, an illegal journal and it, it wrote it out like, um, I think it was 12 different ways. You know, it's basically saying the same thing where it's natural law, common law, God's law, the law of nature, the, you know, it had 12 different ways. I was kind of impressed with how much they said just in that one mm -hmm. little paragraph. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with him completely on that. You know, the whole idea of everybody knows right and wrong inside of their heart. I, I completely agree with him, which is why you wish to write things that a five-year-old could read or understand it. Because if a five-year-old knows whether it's right or wrong, you know, everybody else is going to know. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, yeah, but I, man. I agree with a lot of his principles, like not motioning the court, this and that. Um, you know, but it's kind of easy to talk about it. A lot of people find it harder um, not to do. Like even in the situation last week, he was moving for a probable cause hearing, and I think an attorney came up to him afterwards and was like, the judge is trying to give you the hint that you got a motion for a probable cause hearing. Uh, right, yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I got a question. Um, he, I, he, he keeps on saying um, something about the, the attorneys, you know, if they don't have firsthand knowledge, they can't, um, they can't testify or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so would that so in that in my case would that be the the prosecutor doesn't have any firsthand knowledge of of the event that happened? Or um uh, yeah, I mean the prosecutor doesn't have any firsthand knowledge of the events that happened, but um you know, I mean at some point they should do a probable cause hearing and they might have done something to that effect uh when they when they took you in. I, uh -huh. I don't know. Um, around here, they're really good. Like when you get arrested, you go right downtown. They put you in a little cell and you're in front of the judge or the magistrate within half an hour, 45 minutes, unless they're really busy. Mm -hmm. 
you know, but a lot of places aren't like that, and they have up to three days. Mhm. Yeah. So, so basically, um, so if the if the if the prosecutor tries to talk, I could just, I could just say, you know, do you have any firsthand knowledge of the events that that happened? Well, they're not testifying, and they're not placing anything upon the record. Uh huh. So, so I'm looking for the man or woman, you know, the plaintiff. So basically, mm-hmm. I could, I could shut down the prosecutor real quick, then, right? Well, then, yeah, but they're they're just gonna walk right over that. I can guarantee you. You know, like well, um, I'll just I mean, keep that, on jet- that's what they objecting. do. Well, you you can object, and and honestly, I I wouldn't tell you to object because that almost seems like you know too much of their culture. Um, In fact, when people are having actions being moved against them and they're presenting their side or whatever, and the other party is objecting all the time, I I always tell people, like, whenever they object, just look at the judge and be like, what's the object and where is it being thrown to? (laughs) you know what i mean like they keep on saying objection what's what's the object and where is it being thrown yeah Uh, because i i don't understand what they're talking about Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i I got you there yeah so you know like i i wouldn't object i i would just be like i agree with that um because as soon as they're done presenting whatever they're going to present you can always be like i don't agree with that and and just by you saying that you don't agree that is an objection you know you're just not yeah, saying right. objection you're just saying yeah we're, we're not meeting eye to eye here you know i i don't agree with what you're saying uh-huh so but going back to your whole thing about the prosecutor um you know, unless you're incredibly good, uh, you're probably not going to pull it off. And what they're going to first go to is that the prosecutor is working for the state and they don't have any firsthand knowledge of it. And if you wish for some type of hearing where, uh, you know, the officers come in and, and put the firsthand knowledge upon the record of the court, they'll probably be happy to do that for you the next hearing. Would you like yeah, to proceed what... to the next hearing? Um, no. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm just going ahead and telling you what they're going to turn around and pull because, um, you know, like, so, okay. if they get you so, to say, yes, let's proceed to the next hearing so that we can do this, now you're giving them to consent on moving along with the case. Yeah, right. So if the officer comes and testifies, uh, how could I... How can I like uh, dis- dismiss him for like lack of uh, witness? What is that called? For um, I mean, what what should I say? I mean, are you the plaintiff? Are you the the one accusing me? Or you know? Yeah, I mean, you can ask him those questions. Uh huh. You know, but I mean, I. Like, uh, I, I kind of get the feeling that you're trying to say, how how would you say impeach his testimony? And I got no clue unless I was actually seeing what he said and what the facts of the case are. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I could just be like, just send me the bills, and you know, I'll be more than happy to settle with you. Basically, yeah, well, it's simple. Typically, you do that kind of stuff in private. In private, you know, I mean, yeah. Just like you were talking about talking to the prosecutor and saying, "Hey, send me the bill uh, for fixing the window." Yeah. You, you you would do the same thing in private. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I'm just I, I'm just curious, you know. But yeah, I'm just gonna stick to the basic and just, you know, right now I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm moving, you know. I, I I put that letter in the case file. I stamped it. And it's it's on the it's on the court file. I mean the the what do you call it? Um, it's on the it's record on the of the record. court. Yeah, of, it's on the record on the where they keep the the paperwork, the folder. The yeah, in the court clerk's office. Yeah, in the doc in the docket. Uh, yeah, on the docket at the dock. Yeah. So when, when they gotta go take the all the docs the, up to the huh? So when the when the judge opens the the docket, he sees you know oh this guy's you know he's trying to settle on the private. And, uh, you know, at least everybody, so no, it's a notice, every, you know, for, every, for everybody, you know. Well, I mean, honestly, when the judge is opening up the docket, he shouldn't be seeing immediately that you're trying to settle on the private, like, because that means that you're, you're trying to settle on the public, because as soon as you're filing something into the case, you're making it public uh-huh. record, you're, you're literally publishing it. You can be held liable for, um... What is it when you copy somebody else's work? Copyright infringement? Uh, Yeah, but... Huh? Uh, Well, I drafted that. I I didn't copy it from anybody. Are you talking about plagiarizing? Yeah, plagiarizing. Like, you, you can get charged with plagiarism for, you know copying words and and putting them onto a court document and um and filing it because you're you're literally publishing it also that's that's a bad idea then huh Uh, yeah i mean i i would just send it to them in private (laughs) you know like like, yeah because the prosecutor is the man or the woman who's moving the case for um for the victims thank you yeah <laughs> right you know i mean like way back in the old days it was like if you saw somebody commit a wrong like say let's say you saw um jim still thomas's pig then you would actually go down to the court you would swear out a warrant for jim to be arrested for stealing thomas's pig and then when it came to court, you would be the one who would actually prosecute the claim. Um, now, ever since Civil War, shortly after the Civil War, and it depends on where you were, because New York probably had, you know, states prosecutors, and um, the city definitely had prosecutors, probably by the time the Revolutionary War was won. Uh, but you know, at some point in time, it was like a a private citizen or a private person would go down and make a complaint and an officer would go and arrest. And then, you know, the the state's prosecutor, the uh, city prosecutor would actually prosecute 
the claim and you know the victim or the witness or whoever would work with the with the prosecutor and would basically stand right by their side at court. Right. Okay. Yeah, but now everything's all big business, huh? Yeah, but at the same time, and this is why you should listen to the thing last week, is because I think that they would have actually dropped it. I think the court would have dropped it, except for the police officer actually knew this guy who got arrested. And I think he was somewhat emotionally invested in seeing him get prosecuted, which is one of the reasons I think the judge pushed off the sentencing for a month and a half. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Was so that the officer would forget about it. Because they're they're trying to keep up the circus and the show for everybody else too, but the officer could only do that because he has the right. Like if the prosecutor comes up and says, "Hey man, you know we just want to throw this thing out. Do you mind if we just throw this thing out?" The the officer has the right to say, "No, you you got to prosecute." Just like uh, typically victims in criminal cases, like in violent criminal cases, the prosecutor's office is supposed to get in touch with the victims and tell them that they're going to work out a deal or drop the case or whatever before they actually do. That was one of the things that was a big to do with Jeff Epstein and his Florida deal was that the victims never got contacted to say, no, you got to make this guy go stand trial. Hey, John, let me ask Mm. you a question. Does, Does the officer actually have a right or does he have a privilege? Well, because the officer is making a private plaint, you know what I mean? Because a complaint is made by a private person to an officer of the state or the appropriate authority. And since the officer is actually making a private plaint uh, on his own behalf, then he actually has a right, just like you would have a right if you made a so, private plaint to, you know. Uh, just another question. So like, so like I had, like, let's say I had on some marijuana that officer actually has a right to prosecute me or does he have the privilege under a certain society to prosecute me? Oh, I mean, he has a privilege, but no, being, like being the one who made the original plaint, right? Like making a private plaint, you so have a on, right to see that plaint through to prosecution. What, what does plaint mean? Well, hey, check what, it out. What does a plaint what? mean? Wait just a minute. I'm confused right now. So a plaint is the root word for like complaint, right? Mm-hmm. Or plaintiff. <laughs> yeah, or plaintiff. So plaint means uh, to strike, to beat, to laminate, uh, whence complaint, to strike from the root, dis- disused, whence a right. stroke. Um, Lamination, complaint, audible expression of sorrow, uh, complaint, representation made of injury or wrong done. In law, a private memorial tendered to a court in which the person sets forth his cause of action. And that's basically what it is. It's like when the officer is actually writing the plaint, in law, what he's doing is he's making a private memorial tendered to a court in which the person sets forth his cause of action and, and the person okay, so is the officer. So does that mean that that officer is liable for that? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. OK, 
so if the, the officer is liable for that, and you're not liable for the complaint that he's making, for the point that he's making, shouldn't he be charged for it? Uh, I agree with you 100%. So how do we move into that area? Uh, you get people. Yeah, I mean, you get people educated and and agreeing with that concept because there was a point in time not too long ago, um, you know, like 150 years ago, a judge would have to put up a hundred thousand dollar bond or a ten thousand dollar bond, and then gold that would that would have been a lot, or like um, you know, 500 acres of land to be able to cover any injustice that they did and the sheriff was the same way the sheriff had to have a really big bond or you know some type of liability in case they brought a false point to the court even in you the know, uh, constitution what is it twenty dollars twenty dollars more than an ounce of gold well twenty dollars back then was an ounce of gold is that is that what it was equal to twenty dollars? Yeah, like when when yes, they wrote okay. the Constitution, you know, and I really wish they would have just said an ounce of gold. But when they wrote um, Article the Ninth or the Seventh Amendment, as most people know it, and they say in suits at common law where the value in controversy shall exceed twenty dollars, the right to trial um, trial by jury shall be preserved and violate. Um, what they were really saying was an ounce of gold, like anything in controversy over an ounce of gold, you have the right to a trial by jury. And what they were specifically talking about was in a civil action, like a non-criminal action. Because what was going on before the Revolutionary War is that, you know, the king would basically put in his people into judgeships and they would rule on behalf of the of the bench, you know, the king. And... um and so people got kind of sick of that and they they were deprived of their right to a trial by jury in civil cases over in the colonies and that's one of the reasons why they preserved it when they created the government well you you have a right to move uh 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 from uh you know from a, a criminal in, uh, to common law right well, everything is actually law. Like here, here's the way that they really trick people is that back right after the Civil War, they abolished um, at law and inequity for for the complaint for the Code of Civil Procedures. So when you're moving under the Code of Civil Procedures, you have criminal and you have civil. Um, and of course, those move under the way that it's written by the state legislature or the uh, Supreme Court of that state. Um, but that's actually moving under a civil law. It's not a common law. Can I ask you a question? Um, does, it, does it become law when you agree to it? Like that's if you absolutely when it becomes it? law. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you consent to it, it's kind of like the guy from last week, you know, the reason they can't do anything is because they asked him for consent all the way to the end, and he never consented. Um, but as soon as you consent, um, it becomes law, and you can always take that consent back. Well, you can take it back on a fiction. You can't really take it back on a man, though, right? No, a man can take back consent. 
I mean, just look at the so divorce, like rate, and you have the divorce rate in, in America, and you're telling me that you know a man or a woman couldn't take that consent. Well, well, that's that's no, that's still um, between two persons. Only two persons can get married uh, legally. A man and a woman only gets married lawfully. Married <laughs> Okay, well, a man and a woman gets married lawfully. They can't break that consent. Well, I mean, when, 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 like, let's say I marry a woman. Um, I marry her one time in a church or in a temple or what, whatever you want to do. And then I also marry her in front of a judge legally. So the persons get married and the man and woman gets married. But it's, it's a completely separate thing. No. I mean, I get exactly what you're talking about, but, you know, it's kind of like joinder. Are you telling me that the man and or the woman cannot join with the person to consent to that marriage? And you're also telling me that after they've joined with that person to consent to the marriage, that they cannot unconsent? So the marriage, so well, like no, only their I'm, person can get divorced, but not the man and the woman, woman. Get married under God, or whatever you want to call it, God, Spirit, Allah, Yahweh, whatever. And then you can also get married under the legal society. In the legal society, you can just say no, it doesn't exist, and the man and the woman can both um, extinguish their presence in the legal society. And the legal society has to go bye bye, but under law. They're still because oh yeah you you I know what you're saying now God God Jesus he said you know once you um you got to get married the the his way you know man and a woman and uh, if you break his no, that's law that's not what I'm talking about oh no 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 I mean um I don't care if it's a man and a man or a woman and a woman they can get married under God or whatever. They can enter in a contract between each other, and somebody could stand up in a court and say, this man said that this would happen, and they didn't fulfill. But they can't, the state or the, the church or whatever can't say that they owe anything because it's a fiction. Like, you can delink yourself from a fiction, but you can't delink yourself from another man, woman, man. This is this is this is where I have a lot of problems because it seems like there's been a, a, a huge gray area made. Like like let's say Jonathan made this company that says everybody that wants to join in a contract come with me and we all went with him and we all joined in our own contract and we entered him as a third party in the contract and then all of us were like man Jonathan's just raping us. He's taking whatever he wants. It's costing us way too much to deal with him. He's not really providing a just service. We all want him gone. Jonathan's company can't do anything about it. Because men, mankind said goodbye. It's a fiction. But another man can actually stand up and say, well, no, you owe me this, or no, you said this. His company can't say that. 
And it doesn't matter if it's the company of the church or the company of the state. It doesn't matter which company it is because they're both corporate. They don't exist. It's a fiction. But what's real is what can stand up in front of you and point at you and said, this did wrong to me. So this is where you, you I get guys... really confused in this and how to move it forward. And I'm sorry, I just jumped in the call. I have no pretext of what was going on. John, if I'm jumping in and stubbing my toe, let me know. Oh, no, it's all good because it'll give us something to talk about. <laughs> okay. You, you guys... So... Um... Yeah. Go no, go ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And one one thing's a corporation, and one thing is man. It's two different two different things, right? Yeah, but you know, a man can create joinder with a corporation, or a man can create joinder right. with his persons. Mhm. And what else can a man do? Sever hey, that uh, joinder as long as it doesn't hurt another man. Absolutely. Yep, there you go. That's, you know that's I mean? really where... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it's kind of like... Uh, so you use this analogy, and I'm going to answer a question, a man of civics here in a minute, but you use this analogy, like, what if I created a company and, um, you know, it was whoever wishes to join in on contracts... Let's let's go have this company, which is a body corporate. And it's like, are you tied to that company? Um, no, like you can definitely resend the contract. And basically every contract, um, typically contracts are kind of simple. So it's like, okay, I'll give you $5, you come mow my lawn. Um, and then once you mow my lawn and I give you $5, the contract's over. But there are some contracts that are ongoing. You know, companies typically get involved in ongoing contracts with one another that, you know, it's the contract doesn't end until somebody breaks one of the agreements or the terms of the contract. And as soon as somebody breaks one of the agreements or the terms, the contract is null and void. Um, you know, and that's kind of going back and rescinding the contract and how people kind of break free of contracts. Um, now, Man of Civics, a couple of moments ago, <laughs> asked, uh, would two persons getting married be citizens of the state? And two persons getting married could very well be two citizens of the state, but two persons getting married could be a citizen of the United States and a citizen of Russia who it wishes to become be a Catholics. citizen of the United States. Huh? It also could be two Catholics or a Catholic and a Jew or any corporation that they're under, any persons that they want to ascribe themselves to be. Uh, yeah, so, no. so it doesn't have to be two citizens of the state, but it does have to be two persons um, that come together through some type of joinder of man and woman or however they wish to do it. Now, getting back to, say, the corporation thing, um, at the beginning of the show, I was kind of talking about Trump and um, going over some of the things that I thought was interesting about all of the testimony and this and that over the past several days. But I was actually explaining this to somebody who, who was very kind of left-leaning this afternoon. And I was saying, you know, everything they have 
is at arm's length. Okay, so Trump is is keeping in law what they call at arm's length, which means that you're never going to get to Trump. He has barricaded himself. He said, hey, Rudy Giuliani, you go do this. You go talk to these people. And now you can never get Trump saying he said this or he said that. And if they go after Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, unless they can actually 100% prove that Trump did this or that, his communications with Donald Trump is privileged because of attorney-client confidentiality. Now they can break that attorney-client confidentiality if they do something like what they did to Michael Cohen and prove some type of civil fraud. Okay, because that's how they got Michael Cohen to break the attorney-client confidentiality is that they proved a civil fraud. And when they proved a civil fraud, to investigate the other frauds that might have happened, they had to get all of the communications between Trump and Michael Cohen. Um, so, but what Trump was doing is he was keeping himself at arm's length because, yes, absolutely, the man in the office or the woman in the office is liable for what they're doing. Um, while they're in that office and and they're not necessarily liable for what they're doing while they're in the office because they're liable for what they're doing with the office and the reason i say it that way is because case law is very very clear you know a man acting as a judge is not acting as a judge when they start breaking the law you know as soon as they step out of their jurisdiction they got no more sovereign immunity and that's the same with the president or a legislature or you would know that, whoever and whatever office you're as, talking about would that be maybe referred to as rogue of office <clears throat> as rules of office rogue oh rogue of office yeah it would definitely be considered going rogue mm-hmm. You know, or rogue of office, um, you know, like, uh, for instance, when they talk about it with judges, they say hanging up the the robe, you know, like they took off the robe at this point. Um, And what they're saying is they stepped outside of their jurisdiction, like they were no longer cloaked in the black robe of authority when they did this particular act because the judge is perfect. You know, a president's perfect. These ideas and concepts can do no wrong. Agreed. A cop never did wrong to anybody. Yeah. There's a man that sometimes acts as a police officer that did wrong. <clears throat> so, but... Okay. So, honestly, that's, like, where I really have my dilemma. Like we talk a lot on these phone calls about men that do wrong in office, but don't um, accept that you're not there in person, that you're in there as a man, or um, railroad you. I don't care if it's till the end, make you come back six times, charge you with something, and then never make you go to jail or pay anything or, you know, whatever. That whole thing is... Um, is a tax on a man. Like, me and you both know this. I'm sure a lot of the listeners also know this. Where I'm stuck Hey, hey 760, I'm, I'm getting some, like, reverb coming through the phone. I don't know if you have a speakerphone on or something. But um, if you could, could you mute it out or 
you know, if it keeps on happening, I'm probably just going to mute you and I'll let you back in whenever you raise your hand. All right. Uh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> All right. Um, I try to be quiet. So as, as this is going on, um, unless there's a way to actually um, cost them something, it's 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 no problem for them to keep doing it if it's like yeah ten thousand win and one fail and we just drag this poor man through all of this and nothing happens to us like how do we get it to end it's never going to end so really where my point ends is where do we start causing um, a disruptance to them where do we start getting our ends met. If we can't do that, then we have nothing. They can just do yep. with us what they will, and if they win, they win. If they don't, they don't. That's yeah, scary. I mean, I I can see it from that point of view, but I'll tell you, I would say a year ago, I was made way more worried about what you're talking about right now than I am today. And I'll also tell you that the whole time I've done this, as long as people have held their position and stayed strong, it didn't matter if they took them through the whole circus and charade. I have never, ever seen an unlawful judgment executed. Ever. Okay. I don't care if it's unlawful judgment executed. I still had to come to court six times. I still had to have an unlawful judgment rained on me. And even if they didn't take me to jail or cost me $10,000, they still disrupted my life, my well-being, and my ability to do as I wish, which is a win for them anyway. I mean, you understand what I'm trying to come with, right? I absolutely agree with you, but I'm telling you, a year ago, I saw them doing some really, really scary stuff. Um, and and now, kind of like I was talking about last week on the show, it's like when people go in there and they go in there correct, they try and move around them in law. They normally don't threaten them, um, and and they have really calmed down on the amount of force that they'll use. Um, but a year ago, I mean, I've seen somebody go to jail. And let me actually retract my whole statement about never seeing an unlawful judgment executed. I saw a man go to jail for 30 days for exercising his rights to remain silent in a courtroom, okay? And the judge held him in contempt of court for 30 days, and it was a completely unlawful order. But I also know that the sheriff went into that man's jail cell and told him that he could swear out a warrant for the man who was acting as judge that day as soon as he got out of there. The sheriff did that? Yes. And did the man do this? No. No, but there's still a criminal complaint on file down at that courthouse. Was was the sheriff the guy that put him in jail? Um, The sheriff was the individual who was holding him. The sheriff didn't actually arrest him in the courthouse. So the sheriff was covering his ass, in other words? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, he's like, I followed this order, but I'll tell you how to get the man that made this order. So that was a failure of the guy's part that went to jail. 
I mean, you know, I got a lot of respect for what he did. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doubting what he did, and I'm not saying he didn't go balls out and stand up for himself. I'm just saying, I, I'm just trying I, to. I, I mean, it's it's outcome. incredibly messed up, dude, because he was in jail over Christmas and New Year's, and his his mom passed away New Year's Eve. Dude. That judge wow. a fucking ton. Like, like it is an insane you story. You can't get that. That's back. messed that up, man. Oh man, he. I'll file a claim and. Hey, but uh, you God says to forgive. <laughs> it's a secret. Hey, but um, it's well, uh, anyway um. It you know God you says forgive those forgive. who ask forgiveness of you. Oh, you that's true. Yeah. You have to ask forgiveness. You forgive your brother. Oh. You don't forgive your assailant. All right. Makes sense. Yep. I doubt that judge said, man, I am so sorry that your mother died and that happened to you and it was so fucking trivial, like you had a fucking joint or you sped through a stop sign. And, you, you know, I doubt that. Well, I'll tell you that the judge actually stepped down about four months after that happened. Oh, that's a coward move. That doesn't that doesn't fix anything though. I mean, it doesn't nope. fix anything, but you know, it's definitely showing that. Uh, I mean, it it was taken notice of. I, after that happened, they brought the highest judge oh. in the entire state down there. I guess everything's cool then. Well, I mean, he's not pursuing it, and there's no way that anybody else could pursue it on his behalf. Well, I understand what you're saying, and I understand, like, okay, the guy probably went through a shit ton, and God bless him, but he still was wrong. He still missed his mother's funeral. He still spent the holidays in jail when he shouldn't have. And, okay, the guy, the guy that did this to him down from office. He's probably still a millionaire. He probably still has a lot of fucking power and privilege, you know, in his community. Like, he's really not hurting like he hurt that man. So he he's committed not. a wrong. Yeah, right. He committed a wrong and walked away with it. That, to me, is unacceptable. I agree with you. Yeah. You you know what but, I, you know, but here here's the thing, like I have the criminal complaint. Um it's actually in the office downstairs, but I mean I have the criminal complaint against that judicial officer that was sworn to by multiple witnesses. And honestly, if he would have sworn out a warrant for that judge's arrest, they would have executed it the next day. Like it's it's one of those things where there were enough people who witnessed it. And it was so atro atrocious that, you know, they, they would have executed that warrant. Um, and there were already so many people who witnessed it and swore to it on the record of a court that the only way to get rid of that is to work out some sort of deal or to, you know, basically face a jury. 
but well, I can't yeah, judge a man. I, I can't yeah. judge a man who has the who has the backbone to go and sit in jail for 30 days for what he believes in and fight for my rights and your rights the way that hey, that John, man did. Nobody is judging him here. I mean, I'm not at least. I'm not saying that that man is backing down or whatever. I'm saying that guy probably did what he felt was best in his life. But the whole um, structure that's around that, the guy did nothing wrong. He did everything right, and somebody did wrong to him and was not held accountable for. That, to me, is the worst thing that can happen in a society. Because if that can happen, if a man can stand up for himself, get thrown in jail, miss his mother's funeral, that kind of horrid thing can happen. And all that guy does is step down and, you know, goes back to his mansion and his summer home in Tahiti or whatever. Like, that guy should be hung. He literally has done that to hundreds of people if he did that hard to him. He should be hung in the busiest intersection of town from noon till dusk so everybody that can everybody <laughs> can see what happens to somebody that commits treason in this country. That should be the punishment for that. I don't care about jail for him. He should be done. That's my view on it. If you can do that, if you can take a man away from the death of his mother over a non- criminal case, like there is no crime he committed. He didn't kill a woman. He didn't rape a child. He didn't steal a man's goat. The joke between me and you, John. If that shit didn't happen, and he walks back to his mansion, fuck the system. And I mean, the guy that, that the guy that got thrown in jail is probably a really good guy that tried his hardest. This is where I stand, and this is where a lot of the things that happen, like, I just can't deal with. Like, we always go back and forth with me with the license, because it's my job, you know, and da-da-da, how do I de-link myself with the license? Well, you signed a paper that says every time that you drive, da-da, okay, well, I'm not driving, and how do you do that? And they say this, and they say that. Screw that, man. My mom dies while you threw me in contempt in jail. I will die. I will bleed before I let you go. Not saying that he's not equal or whatever, but it's a fucking shame. So, how do you move forward with something like that? Well, I mean, I think if he wished to move forward, he should go down swear out a warrant. I got a question. What's up? Could you take the matter into your own hands? Basically, <laughs> you don't like, say you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you can, yeah, you every man can do as they wish. The answer like, is... straight up, man to man. No, no codes, no statues. Well, that's like, like in the Western days, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, you okay. know, every man can do as they wish, but I mean, if somebody is, did something to a judge, the system would come down on them as hard as it could. Okay, I'll put it the way I feel about it, and maybe this makes sense, and maybe it doesn't. And John, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, somebody comes onto your land, and let's say it's the olden days. Let's say it is is the old west, and you have 40 head of cattle, and they come on your land with three guys. And they put a gun to your head and your wife's head and they steal your cattle and they walk off with your cattle. The next thing you do is you actually go to the sheriff and the sheriff actually commits the force necessary from the public. He deputizes people to go and get your cattle back because that man wronged you. If you don't need the sheriff and you track that guy down and you get your Winchester out and you shoot all three of those guys dead and take your cattle back, it's the same thing. You just didn't go to an outside authority. You are still in the right. You've done nothing wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I've told you before and I've talked about on the show before. <laughs> like, people talk about common law like common law is always taken up in a courtroom. And common law isn't always taken up in a courtroom. Most of common law is taken up in the streets. And when you are talking about common law in a law form, when you talk about the ancient common law, there was a lot more than a trial by jury. There was a trial by ordeal. There was a trial by combat. There was a trial by testimony. There, there were multiple different ways of having a trial. But what you're talking about is common law that, that you don't go to court over. You know, it's that, it's that natural law. It's that natural right of existence. You know, and and uh, I think probably before you got on the call, but I was telling um, seven six zero that there's a difference between force and violence. And violence is when you actually aggress on somebody else or when somebody aggresses on you. Force is is your lawful right to push back against that aggression. Agreed. Another word for it is V-I-S, viz. So, but I mean, what y'all are talking about is basically just another form of common law. Okay. But typically it doesn't work out unless you have the majority of the mob on your side. I guess I would put it this way. I would put it this way, if you wanted the mob on your, if you needed the mob on your side, you would have to go to an institution or a, or a way to um, make other men help you out. If you didn't well, need I, their help and you still adjusted it, it would still be common law. It would still be I, law. I, I don't think you do have to go to some sort of institution. I mean, look at what's going on in South America right now. You know, there are revolutions happening all over the place. And those people aren't going and saying, hey, where do I register to join the revolution? No, they just got nothing. They're going out in the streets and they're saying, y'all better give me something. Yeah. And they're taking it. Yeah, but that's that's common law. Like, like that's the Uh, law that's common to society. They're being directed, man. I I don't think it's as organic as you think, dude. Well, I mean, I can tell you a directed force. 
I, I can tell you studying a lot of history that whenever you get to where 40% of a society can't feed itself adequately, you are going to end up in some sort of violent revolution. I mean, historically, that's about 100% accurate. Yeah, I think it's uh, Venezuela would be a good, a good um, the milk and bread or milk and brick society. They marched a million strong. Um, yeah, you can get the masses to do that in a desperate means, <clears throat> but well, well before it comes to that, um, those people actually know they're being wronged. Oh yeah, and you and know, one one of the things that's kind of amazing with human nature is that people will put up with being wronged for a really long time before they actually do anything about it. Yeah, look at the you know, I mean, it amazes me that 40% <laughs> of people have to be starving before they're like, shoot, somebody grab the pitchfork. You know, like, because <laughs> it takes like me hungry for a couple of days before I was like, man, I got, I got to do something about this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what uh, government stands for? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, govern is, is well, to control or steer no, like a natural it. order. Let them do it. Go. All right, go, well, go ahead, my man. Government means mind control. Break it down. Uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, but it's, I don't know, I saw it on Google or something like that. Uh, I don't remember, but it's the definition of um, government means mind control. Yeah, actually, uh, every time I've Googled searched that within the past year, year and a half, Google doesn't have that up. And in fact, like if you break down the last part of Mint, like if you go and try and look up the suffix of Mint, Google basically sticks to something concrete like cement, you know, um, it does not readily give you the idea of mental which which uh meant comes from latin's mens mente or mentis which means of the mind um and govern is uh is a natural order of things like like nature no, is self-governing it, it can okay. mean control but it's no, really it an control. order of things self-govern means means the self-control and like nature is self-ordering is a better term for it but like yes it governs itself but it actually if you believe in a god god controls the order of things so god governs what nature is so well, nature if, is governed like if you you know you look at the phi spiral or the fibonacci sequence there is something higher governing what nature is well what, is what what is government besides man's expression of nature through establishment and community there's nothing natural about government it's actually the, no no it's it's natural like people were naturally designed like people are social creatures uh -uh. they naturally habitat and get drawn towards one another people have to have social interactions you know so so cities are natural now it seems unnatural because you got all this concrete and all of the stuff whoa, is built whoa. up and you have all these man-made you're wrong you're wrong <laughs> but natural is well before that it's hunter gatherer there was no cities cities are an artificial construct of humanity 
man was to live in nature. And they created, I mean, if you go way back in history, they created these large stone structures and they would come and go to these stone structures back out in the nature. Like Gobekli Temke, um, Teotihuacan in Bolivia, those are fucking 12,000 years old. Those All there were were hunter-gatherers. So they created these ornaments, furnishings, that they would come and understand things at a higher level and then walk back out in the nature. So that's actually natural. The ability Okay, you're, you're the, telling uh, me that coming together, yeah. like after, after talking about this, you're telling me that coming together and building these places for people to gather in mass is not natural? And just mm-hmm. today we call that a city instead of the Great Pyramids mm-hmm. of Giza? Mm-mm. The Great Pyramids of Giza were never a place of um, social interaction. Uh, okay, but, you know, there there are ancient cultures in the, um, no, you know, the no fertile okay crescent. It. They were, they were and, and the def- mystery schools and the higher learning. <laughs> yeah, in different that fertile plains around the world, they had over 100,000 people living there. Are you going to tell me that that wasn't a city? Whoa, 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 where? In different um, fertile crescents, like different river valleys. The one that I'm thinking of specifically, and this was like 4,000 years ago, but is over okay. um, in a fertile valley right outside of India. If you We're go to PBS Civilizations, you can watch a whole video on it. It's insane. Oh, okay. Up until about five, 6,000 years ago, man didn't do that. It wasn't natural. This is an artificial construct of man to assimilate power. Up until about 5,000 years ago, it wasn't like that. Yet all these uh, really ancient structures, uh, the pyramids, um, Gobekli Temke, Teotihuacan, all these places well predate. 5,000 years ago. Okay, so that means that it was natural before then. (laughs) No, it was not. They would come and go. Then how did these places get built? You know, like, we're we're not quite yet at the point where more people live in a city than in urban areas or in rural areas. So more people travel to the city and leave and kind of go back to their calm life. New York City is the natural state of man? New York City. I, mean, I think television. it is right now. You oh, know, God, no matter how chaotic no, that might be. Dude. How many people think in New York City? 15 <laughs> and the rest of them follow? No way. That is not the natural state of men. Not at all. I don't all. know. I mean, that I've known a lot of New Yorkers that are pretty smart. You know? Oh, they're, like, intelli- they're intellectual, intelligent. Mm, I come from Chicago. I lived in Chicago for the better part of 10 years. A lot uh, of sounds like I just don't like New Yorkers. No, no. <laughs> they they push me around, I knock them out. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't like the pizza. <laughs> I the give them my is, hot dogs. <laughs> the truth is, is you talk to a hundred of them, and a hundred of them don't have original ideas, feelings, or context. They're all a pattern. They're, they're zombies. Don't you see them? They're zombies. They're, they're just walking in their phones, it's, just taking it's, it's, stupid pictures inside the building. That's, um, that's a good way to put it, I guess. But I guess what I'm trying to say is they don't have original ideas. They, they're very good at regurgitating what they're told. 
And that's what makes a metropolitan area. Like a metropolis is a bunch of people that are really good at regurgitating what they're told. And I mean, Chicago's not New York, but it's a goddamn close second. And I lived there for many, many, many years. And all they could do is regurgitate. They didn't have their own ideas. They didn't have their own but, context of being. So it wasn't Stan, natural. What, what are we doing here? Like, there's this famous Chicago gangster, and I don't remember his name right now, but he said something I'll never forget. And he said, everything I am, I just stole from somebody else. If I saw a cigarette you were smoking and I liked the way you smoked it, I started smoking my cigarette that way. You know, we're we're not coming up with original ideas. We're talking about, you know, information and feelings that the great teachers, the great enlightenment people, you know, the Gandhis, the Christ, the, uh, you know, the Buddhas, Confucian, Confucianism, the greats have been talking Maybe about I'm coming since. off the wrong way. I'm not saying so much that we're coming up with original ideas because I do believe there's nothing new under the sun. What I'm trying to say is there's a, there's a certain um, context of thinking called logic, and then there's a, co- a certain context of thinking called conformatalism. Now, logic will always be one thing. Conformatalism will always be the conforming to a certain society. I have not found a society that conforms to logic. I mean, there were certain Greek societies that were pretty close. If you look at like the 13th, 14th uh, uh, dynasties uh, in Egypt, they were really close, but like none hey, of wait, them wait, 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 really like logic. Hey, hey, okay. give me just a second, because so, I'm still trying to make a point here. And I, I, li- I like where you're going with the logic and the conformatism, right? Because when you go all the way to the end of law, you're going to find two schools of thought. And you're going to find the non-aggression principle, which I'll call logic like relating to you. The non-aggression principle is logic. You don't aggress on anybody else. Nobody else aggresses on you. That's the whole of the law. Do no harm. The other form of law or the other form of thought in law is called positivism. And I'm going to relate that to your conformatism, okay? Because positivism is that we have to elect these people into office and they know better than we know, and they're going to write statutes and and rule over us, and we're going to have to follow whatever they say to do because we decided to vote them into office, so we're going to have to suffer because that's why it's the right of suffrage. Are you with me so far? Despotism. Yeah, despotism. Yeah, so, but but in law, it's, the school of thought is called positivism because it's positive law. It's following the positive law instead of the natural law or the common law of just don't aggress on anybody else, just do no harm. So you have these two schools of thought. I call it non-aggression principle and positivism. You call it logic and non or logic and conformatism. And and you're telling me that it's not natural for a human race, for human society to go through this process where through their own free will choice, they decide which type of society they wish to live in, whether it's a, you know, logical society or a conformatism society. And if if that is logical, that that they would go through that type of thing, then doesn't that in essence make it natural? Boom. Okay, I see where me and you are disagreeing. Okay. 
One, yes. If it was an open question and everybody was educated the same, then yes, it would be an open forum where we would all discuss on what society we want to live in. No, we don't live in that. And you know we don't live in that. So that's a fucking moot point. So since there's a certain sect of society that are educated a certain way and exist a certain way, and then the rest of society is taught, hey, man, you have a fucking joint. You need to go to jail. Or, hey, man, you, uh, you did six over the speed limit. You owe me $400. That kind of bullshit is not a natural progression of anything. All that is is an unnatural, which is called artificial art, meaning created by a man, not nature, created by the one. Art, official. It's officially art. It's officially created by man. The only, the only reason man creates something over another man is to have control. So no, no, we are not living in a place where we're all working together to create a better fucking existence. It's complete sham that way. Now, the logic or the logos, Jesus' name in Greek is logos, which means logic, if there's any Christians listening. Hey, and just so everybody knows, that's where the word logo comes from, like a big corporate logo. That's why most of them are esoteric and incorporate sacred geometry. He's right. You pegged it. You're 100%. So as, as logic tells you, you know you don't hurt the man next to you. You know you don't do wrong. You know you don't do this. And then there's this legal society, which is the Saturnian rule, which is, you know, the God that eats his children or whatever. Now, it's okay, might is right. Are you more powerful? I'm more powerful, so I'm in the right. Now, these are the two differences that we have in society. Our society, unfortunately, has been tainted towards a Saturnian rule instead of a Logos rule. So as we work through this society, we have to either change it back or accept it, and I'm never going to accept it. Okay. Well, in the future, there's going to be a point that you don't have an option. You're going to have to accept it. Do we agree on that? No, no, because I have an option. You always have an option. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'd rather (laughs) die on my feet than live on my knees. I always have an option. The pot up. There are some things in life worth fighting for. The pot up said that. In the Mexican Revolution, he told the farmers, it's better to die on your feet than live on your knees. Falcon, I was actually going to go with uh, the French Revolution. Well, the people had enough. And oh. enough as bloody yeah, the and French as... French Revolution was a joke. Well, let the man finish his thought, brother. Well, obviously, we all know, obviously, if, if you've studied hard enough, you know exactly why the French Revolution happened, who was controlling it, what was pushing it. I'm more referring to society of the people, the people who were there who finally stood up and had enough and tried to at least push back on the people who were uh, trying to control them and taking bread out of their mouths. That's what I'm referring to. Well, the French Revolution actually happened over the course of like 60 years. So there was many different people that um, contributed to the French Revolution. Yep. Yeah, weren't you just reading about this, like Hearts in the Fire of Man or something? Fire in the Minds of Men. 
Oh, yeah, Fire in the Minds of Men. I was close. (laughs) James Billington. Yeah, the French Revolution was a joke. It it, it was, um, that's why they say like the the Great American Experiment is because we were a sea over. We were an ocean over. They didn't have any direct control over us. Over there, they really had a very aristocratic um, control over one side of the party. And the people that were there were always like, um, we have uh, an identity through the king, through the crown. We're French through the crown, you know, we're English through the crown. So as they um, saw themselves, they saw themselves through the history and through what they wanted. So it was easy to um, starve them or drag them by the hair in the way that you wanted them to be. Yeah, right. and, uh, go ahead, man. I was going to say, Spencer, uh, Robespierre kind of just like slowly ascended to where he was and basically took over for a, a period of time before he was the final one, the guillotine. Uh, but I see what you're saying, obviously, because when when people get to that point, they pretty much just, it's almost like following like a, like a dog, following whatever leader can go with. Yeah, and, and whatever leaders offered, like... Um, you know, one of my favorite parts about the signing of the Treaty of Paris at the end of the American Revolution is is right there. If you go look in that document, I think it's like the first paragraph, but it's spelled out that King George of the Third of England is the acting sovereign of France. Um, so, and and England, the English crown had owned France for a long time before that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, what was going on, I'd have to agree with Stan on this, is that it was all a stage. And it's not that the people are going with whoever has the power. The people are going with whoever they're offered by the power, you know. Um, And and France is one of those revolutions where it's like, it it was, in my mind, it was kind of like a social experiment. It's really kind of the go-to first revolution where you say, starve a society to about 40% and you're going to invoke a violent revolution. Um, France is kind of the test subject for that. And, and France did stay because whenever these people who have ultimately had power since time immemorial started giving it to people of common stock, we'll say, you know, people of the commoners. Um, I mean, typically it was kind of like, they would give it to somebody like Napoleon. Napoleon started messing them up. <laughs> it's like, well, we got to get rid of this guy. We're, we're going to send him off to an island. He comes back and messes them up again. Dude, okay, he escaped on a kill plate. Him. On a plate. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, but, but they had to kind of switch it. I mean, a way of looking at that is kind of how we've been controlling the Middle East with our political politics and who we put into powers ever since um world war ii you know or the way that we've controlled south america and a lot of south american governments with our politics and you know the cia and you know the underhand corporate america that's always in the background it's it's all the same thing yeah but it's not me and john when you say we it's not us so, like, when well, I, 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 it, I just like, meant I like America. It, I always think about it as like an experiment. Like, um, you have a petri dish, 
and you put a drop and that becomes a culture. Like that's how they do it. They um like like if you read about the French Revolution, the French Revolution spanned about sixty years and they ended up going into a socialist society, which was at first aristocratic rule, which they let up to a governmental rule, but the same lords and barons and whatever still held high places and they still rule to this day. The same families still rule. Um, They do it through money and through society instead of through title, which is pretty much title. So what what, what the experiment was is how do we control this reaction and make these things that we call humans do as we wish. And so the American experiment was actually the opposite of that. They said, hey, man, if we give the men, if we give mankind the power to govern themselves, will they give it back or will they create a free society on earth? And the unfortunate truth was about 95 to 98% of people will hand it back, hand over fist, every day. So it lasted about 50 years here. And then after about 50 years, from 76 to about uh, 1836, they really had control of this country through the Bar Association, through the Crown Representatives, from the carpetbaggers and scallywags that came over and influenced our um, politics. And then they ran us up till they started taxing the South. They started putting legislation in an unjust, unjust taxes like the morale tax and stuff like that. So the South had no fucking choice. If you're getting taxed at 51%, when you were pissed off and left England at a 2% tax, 51% is really going to piss you off. So they were like, man, we're going to disconnect and we're going to all become our own state. And then yeah, when you had said, to like, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, when you said 1863, the first thing that popped into my head was that is really right close to the tariff of abominations and when everything went to hell. Uh, though it was starting to go there to begin with, when that thing got released, obviously everything just started falling apart between the North and the South at that point. There, there, were, there were a lot of... Um determining factors that really caused a lot of right um, strife between the North and the South, which really shouldn't have been. And it should have just been like a cohesive way of man to like move together in a proper way. Like we should have been moving out of slavery. We should have been moving into a more um, I really don't even know how to put it, but um, cohesive way of living with each other. Like, we should have been moving in that way if mankind wanted that. But the truth is, is mankind doesn't want that. You, 760, want to be over your neighbor. John wants to be over his neighbor. Even if we don't admit it, it's in us. There's this, like, deep, dark passion to, like, want to be in charge or in control or benefiting from a certain thing. And that's why the experiment failed. So we'll go through. 
will go through another cycle of evolution and it might take another um, age, another 21,042 years or whatever it is. That was like 2,150 years. I think it's 42, but whatever. <laughs> 2142, someone opens up their own uh, court, uh, court of law and goes after somebody. Yeah. Else. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was reading about, um, exactly. I was going to echo what you said originally because it reminded me of uh, someone, uh, who was this? Um, it was a psychology professor. He was talking about how no matter how good man is, um, the, the evil that's always within man isn't this want to do harm it's this constant rivalry a constant of like i want to do better than everyone else i want to excel but it's also the other hand is that they want to go up and up and up but not bear the burden and responsibility of climbing the mountain it's this constant is, struggle is that nietzsche? Both of them. huh is that nietzsche i don't know who that is <laughs> i don't remember who actually said this it probably was a reiteration of that but it could be, it, it could, sounds very Nietzsche because he said the Ubermensch can't be um, made in society. He needs to be taken out of society. Hmm. In other words, he, he, he needs to not compete with his fellow men. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I like what you said. Yeah, it's, it's, I heard it somewhere. I thought it made absolute sense because, you know, you constantly want to struggle to do better and make sure if some guy has a car, you try to have a car and a half. You try to do better than what the person next to you has, but at the same time, you don't want to pay for the gas to put in the car. It should be someone else's responsibility. It seems like we're starting to like having that's, like. That's why disgusting. I'm voting Bernie Sanders. <laughs> well, I mean, I I would have to say just kind of watching society, and I know there's a big mentality out there, even uh, keeping up with the Joneses and having that car and a half. But I also feel like, especially among people who have money and are influential in society, I find more and more people are being comfortable with where they're at. They they don't feel the need to have a bigger house. They don't feel the need to have a better car. And in fact, a lot of people I see around me are deciding that honestly, they wish to live with less, that having a big house by themselves is kind of stressful. Um, and and I, I think that there's kind of a counterbalance that that's coming about. Um, I agree. Which is which is why I talk about this stuff Check being natural. Right. Like you see all those uh, programs about tiny houses. It's like the '80s are dead, man. <laughs> no, no more. Like I need more than the man next to me. It's like, hey. How do we all make well, I, I would say the people that I'm talking about, you know, they wouldn't go for a tiny house because I know the tiny house thing kind of exploded, but it's kind of dying down. Um, but I think that most people, they just wish for something, you know, two bedrooms, you know, two baths, the small kind of open floor plan, but not more than, you know, a thousand square feet. I might have exaggerated. I was just saying your needs be met. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and there's an interesting psychology study about happiness, and I absolutely love it because what it talks about is um, money's relation to happiness. And, you know, if you take somebody who makes $10,000 a year 
and you give them $20,000 a year, they're a lot happier. Okay. If you take somebody who makes $20,000 a year and give them $30,000 a year, they're happier. You take somebody who makes $30,000 a year and you give them $45,000, they're a lot happier. But after $45,000, $50,000, money doesn't have any effect on your happiness. You know, it's, it's whether you're comfortable with yourself. Um, no, you give me ten thousand dollars, I'll be. I mean, ten million dollars, I'll be a lot happier. <laughs> for for a moment, but at some point, it's like. And I'm what joking. the study really shows is that you know, once all of your needs are met, like once you have a stable and secure home, once you have you know your next meal, and you know where your next meal is going to come from, and you have a little cushion, like once you have these things, um, really, your happiness depends on you. Are, are you happy as a person? And, and once now, your needs are met, you have to focus on those things. No, you're 110% correct. I mean, the, the way I look at it. And the way I look at it is like, you get to a certain point where your needs are met, like you have car, you have food, you have home, you have, you know, your transportation, your uh, food and your shelter is all met, clothes, all that other, you don't have to worry about bills. That's a certain monetary value anything past that is ego now you have people that work past that and they're like oh i make you know $160,000 a year all my shit's met and then you see a guy that makes you know doing the same job $250,000 a year and you're like why aren't i making that it doesn't really matter to you if you make $250,000 maybe you can retire five years earlier or whatever but like it, it really doesn't matter it doesn't change your lifestyle you know, to do that. Now what you're really doing is you're competing after the ne guy next to you. And now you're getting into a category of like these people that make, you know, a hundred million dollars. Now you're Play a hater, Stan. Play a hater, brother. Now, now that guy has a hundred million dollars and I have $75 million. How do I get to $150 million? So when I walk in the room, I go, I got 150, you got a hundred. Now it becomes ego because it really doesn't change your lifestyle. Like your needs aren't being not met. Like it becomes a, a sect of greed. And now I think there's a specific sect of people that have been um, working the system for many, many thousands of years that like that. And they like being on top and they like people bowing when they walk in the door or cleaning their toilet so they don't have to do it. And shit, I might like that too, but it's not right. It's a wrong. Um, so at that point, like what kind of society can be built while people like that exist? Now we might say, okay, well, people need like that need to be existing because there needs to be a $50 trillion wealth so that the world can draw from that $50 trillion wealth to build cities and like whatever. But that $50 trillion wealth really isn't those people. It's all the people on the bottom that actually make that $50 trillion that those people have. Yeah, well, so I'll tell you what. <laughs> if all society about, just learns... That $50 trillion exists with them or without them. The only difference is, is they control where that $50 trillion goes. So the people are actually the viz or the force. 
that create that wealth. Now, the problem is common core, um, incohesive societies, um, the people don't back themselves. So if we don't back ourselves and we don't come together, then the only thing that's left is for somebody of an immoral nature to come scoop up that power and to use it either against us or with us. Now I'm done. <laughs> okay. Um, when you were talking about <laughs> trillion dollars, I was just going to say that. I don't know, that's um, the number I pulled out of my ass. Get out of here. No, nah, that, that's fine. But I was just going to say the one thing I really wish that everybody learns from what happened with the Federal Reserve and the fraud it perpetuated for a century is that. Is um, huh? Is perpetuating. Yeah. Yeah, but it, I think it's about to come to an end. Um, but hopefully, I I really hope and pray that everybody learns uh, that it was all made up to begin with. That out of what society takes away from it is that they can just make up worth and value for themselves because it was all made up for them before. And that that's not what gives value and worth. And and exactly what you're saying is that the real value and the real worth is in the connections, is in the actual doing something with your with your brother, with your sister. You know, it's it's the connections that y'all make and the experiences you have. Um, and I just I really hope that that's kind of what people pick up and you know. I hope and pray all the time, but I don't know how realistic it will be. But people have amazed me before. Anyways, with that, I'll let it go for a couple more minutes because um, I've really appreciated the conversations that we've had here this evening. But I'm not feeling so well tonight, and I was actually going to call it kind of an early night, but the conversation got so good and just kept going. But here in a few minutes, I'm going to be calling calling it a night. So. Uh, I think by well, I got, I gotta take off, guys. I caught it. I go <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thanks for sticking around so long, and yeah. come back. We're gonna right. know how that stuff goes. Yeah, hey, man, for sure. And uh, yeah, San Diego. And uh, God San bless Diego. you all, nice man. To, nice to hear from you, San Diego. For sure. Have a good uh, night. You guys have a good night. Yep. Bye. Uh, Yes, sir. I want to pick your brain for five minutes, and then I will let you definitely leave, because obviously if you're not feeling well, I want you to get some rest and relaxation to feel better. Uh, so I was actually the one who posted on the boards about that the new letter for the withholding compliance program. I don't know if you saw that on the Facebook page. Um, no, I don't really follow the Facebook stuff. So... Internal Revenue Service, most expressly C.K. O'Neill, sent me a nice little letter saying they wanted to put me in a withholding compliance program, which essentially translates into, we're going to tell your employer to change your W-4. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) So I I saw that. I'm like, this is wonderful. I get why they're doing it. It's just, it's wonderful. So I was actually curious. how do we go about handling something like that? Because normally we deal with it, obviously, when they come after us or talk to us with debt, 
I mean, uh, are they coming after you? They would be going uh, talking not after me directly, but they'd be going through my employer to actually have them. Yeah, but uh, they're, they're giving you some sort of notice. They're like, hey, if correct. you don't contact us back, we're going to take money from your employer. Uh, it wasn't even that. It was, well, we're just letting you know that uh, we're telling your employer to change your W-4, and yeah, if they don't, no, they're going to be right, penalized dude. for it. Huh? John's right. Happened to me. John's right. Sorry, I, I must have missed something. I mean, I've been talking over you. Okay, John's right. They're asking you, are you going to respond to this? If you don't respond to this, we're going to do this on your behalf. So you need that, to respond back to the IRS, especially the man that said this. You ask CK the questions. Mm-hmm. Open up a dialogue with that man. Be like, are you going to do this to me pretty much? You know, yeah, like, this is going to cause me harm and loss. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong, John? Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, a maximum of law is continued acquiescence is consent. So, you know, they're they're giving you some type of information. It's like they're telling you, hey, we're going to put you in this program. We're going to inform your employer. Do you wish to be in that program? Yeah, actually, I actually responded back. I actually overnighted. I wrote it in two days and overnighted uh, that, you know, the traditional stuff, thank you for your little letter, blah, blah, blah. I do not wish to be placed in any program. I do not wish to consent. Uh, I believe it's going to cause harm to I should you execute this. I use the word execute. And, you know, please cancel and stop any lock-in letters. Uh, but actually in process, when I sent that, the lock-in letter actually ended on my employer desk okay so i was already in it before, yeah, before i even got it out okay has your employer actually taken any money out yet they the deadline is december 30th so 45 days or actually now 40 days okay you need to call john privately <laughs> and, and you know but i mean <laughs> You're basically taking the first steps because basically what you're saying is cease and desist. You know, um, yep. I mean, I probably would have added something in there to the point of I don't wish to contract with you at this time. Yeah, I said, I said, I remove all consent. I think is actually what I, the words I used. So, um, okay. but, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and, I always um, reply. Yeah, until they actually start doing something, because they have to enroll you in, in that program. It just um, sounds like by the letter they already have. Well, what they've done is they've sent a letter to your employer, basically giving them notice that you know they're taking step A out of the ABC process. According to this one, they actually looks like they're in step B, where it says do this. I've I've had it happen to me. And John, John really? right. Yeah. Yeah, because this actually was, a, I was, there's only one other person who mentioned this. There's only one other person I found that actually mentioned any of this, that they actually were sending this stuff out. So they actually sent you, yeah, what the heck is it called? Uh, 2801C, whatever the heck it's called. I don't recognize that. Yeah. They sent you a code, man. 
Uh, they sent me a, what uh, code did they send you? Are you a decipherer? <laughs> it's a bunch of numbers. That's why I'm like, I'm trying to actually correct or not. <laughs> hey, think about it as people is war. One, <laughs> one party sending a code to another. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't know what that means. Yeah. And so, but honestly, like you've answered them, they have a month and how many days? You said forty something days. They have, they have forty days. So December thirtieth is when the actual letter go. The actual my employer will actually change it without my consent. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, you got to go ahead and deal with the IRS. Um, you know, don't don't let it get changed and. One thing that Carl Lentz would always talk to people about was um, when this process would start happening, as soon as your employer took started taking money out to go and threaten them with a lawsuit. And, you know, employers aren't going to care. You're either going to get fired or. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I reread I re it at my uh, employee contract. I, if I do anything that they don't like, they can easily just be like, have a nice day. <laughs> And, and, I, and I'll tell you firsthand, I've I've worked up all the way up, and I work in a, a Fortune 500 company, and I worked all my way up to uh, the vice president. Till so I figured out that it had nothing to do with my company; it had everything to do with a man in the IRS. Yeah, and that's where I was at too, because they're just following instructions for their compliance, however that may be, whatever contracts they have. It's really the initiation from. CK O'Neill, who actually started this whole thing. So I need CK O'Neill to fix it. Yeah, but I, I can tell you right now that CK O'Neill is, is probably just some handle. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's of course. A stamp that freaking 30 of them use. That's why I mean, I, I actually want, I was moved up to Charles Reddy, who's actually the acting commissioner at this point. Yeah. Are you still mailing it across state lines? Are you still mailing it across state lines? I don't know what you mean by that. I'm presuming you're gonna, you mean by zip codes. Where does and Charles that's the Reddy that live? Uh, yeah, I mean Charles you know. Reddy, specifically his residence. I don't know. I sent it to um, DC. Okay. Yes, so you're, you're mailing it across state lines. You're you're mm -hmm. acting in interstate commerce. Okay. So, just to let you know. <laughs> oh. You need to call John. There's a whole. I'm, I, I, I think we're getting to that. I think he made it there about five minutes ago. But it's always <laughs> nice. But, John, I want you to get better. Yeah. Um, hit me up on Facebook or how can I reach you other than email? Um, yeah, I mean, um, just send me a. Are, are we friends on Facebook? I'm friends with uh, Shaman, but I don't yeah. think I have. That's a good question. Where is Sean? No, I I don't know. Uh, he's he didn't make it out tonight. I'm not, I'm not real sure what's going on. That sent him a dirty message. Maybe you got him sick, John. <laughs> he he didn't want to catch what I had. I'm contagious. <laughs> I just figured I'd share it with the rest of y'all. Jonathan Cross. Let's so, see if I'm but, actually but yeah, I mean, yeah. you you can find me if you look at the 
people on that page on common law shamanism. Yep. I just sent you. Yeah, I just sent your friend request. So, yeah, because I, I'm gonna look at it right now because I don't ever friggin'. I mean, the only time I'm really ever on Facebook is when I'm advertising for the show. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna guess that the guy who just sent it is you, and then just Dex, PM yeah. me and um, good guess. We'll get we'll get it set up. <laughs> All right, so. I'll give you. I'll. So I know you want to. You want to get some sleep. How uh, do you want me to contact tomorrow? Um. It, yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm just gonna let you know because it's not till December 30th, and and you've sent the last thing out. If you get something back from them, then I would say send it immediately. Um, yep. But you know, Thanksgiving's next week, and I'm not feeling good right now. I mean, I might. Uh, get back to it this weekend. I'll definitely send you a message back and link up with my information and stuff. But mm -hmm. I'm just letting you know right now, I'm probably not going to be working on anything serious till after Thanksgiving. Of course. Well, that's why I'm, I'm trying to make sure you get some sleep, rest, and see your family for the Thanksgiving. No one wants to really work on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, but, uh, and with that, we're, we're not going to have a show next week, everybody. Sorry to say. Oh, we're not? Nah, because <laughs> next week is the night before Thanksgiving. So I'm going to have a bunch of family in town. Freaking, you know. Put them on the show. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying about New Yorkers? What? Some of the all brains with no intelligence. <laughs> anyway so that'll be the 27th and we will be back here december 4th um december 4th we will have a, a show at at 9 p.m eastern standard time and again i'd like to say thanks to everybody who stuck around till the end because most people who called in actually stuck around till the end um i i think uh 760 was the second individual to leave this evening so I, I really appreciate that. That's some solid people right there. Yeah. It's a solid show I, with a solid host. The host is only as good as the people who comment. <laughs> <laughs> so well, hopefully we all host this party and become guests uh, December 4th. Was that right, <laughs> December 4th? <laughs> And um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and take off. And thanks again, everybody, for coming out. And sorry, I'm not feeling so well because this really was a great discussion. Uh, man of civics and, and Stan, if y'all wish to say good night or say your salutations, whatever. If anybody wishes to raise their hand, I will unmute you. Good night, everyone, and don't get the itis during Thanksgiving. I'm happy to discuss these things with all of you. Thank you for having me. Any hands raised? Going once, going twice, going three times sold. Thank y'all, everybody, for coming out. Man of Civics and uh, Stan, I hope to see y'all back here soon. And hopefully we'll hear what 760 has to say because that's kind of interesting how it's shaping up. Have a great night, everyone, and we'll be back December 4th. Good night. Good night, everyone. Later.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.